You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 182, Blind Guardian. Hosted by Dan Terry. General Death Metal reporting for duty. Jeff Kane. Riddle me that, motherfucker. And Joseph Wren. All they're doing is singing Sunny Day Real Estate over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you like your metal to be dark and filled with hobbits, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. It's about time we talked about some Blind Guardian on this podcast. Well, I'll tell you right now, we definitely chose the wrong episode to do that. (laughs) Why is that? Why the fuck aren't we doing Blink-182? Oh, wait, because they're punk rock pop bullshit. Oh, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. I didn't really think about that. One thing I, I have thought about a lot this week is fantasy and hobbits and elves mostly elves they don't talk about hobbits as much as you would think and they really don't talk about tolkien as much as you would think uh, they also talk about stephen king robert jordan um you know i think there's even some like uh game of thrones shit thrown in there from now on, now and again really the later stuff but you know this band is pretty much like the reason i hated iced earth you know, because this is fantasy metal. This is power metal. This is everything good about epic metal. So if your band is trying to be epic, you need to do it like Blind Guardian does. 5,000 background singers. Yeah, there's a lot of background singers. There's a lot of orchestration. Thank God it's not that way the entire time. No, thankfully not. It has its ups and downs for me, uh, but we'll get into that. I, I definitely, there's some albums on here that I I wanted to strangle Hansi, but <laughs> we'll get to that. Well, before we travel the stereotype train right to Middle Earth, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify. Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, you know, five-star reviews are a thing that we really enjoy on the podcast, and I've got one to read you guys tonight. This is from Tyler Wand 1205 It says, love this podcast. This podcast got me into albums of bands that I love, and usually that's a difficult thing for me. Please do an episode on Dark Tranquility. Well, you are in luck, my friend, because <laughs> by the time you hear this, we will have already talked about Dark Tranquility, and you will have decided whether we were right or we were dead wrong. Spoilers, we were definitely right. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. Completely right. <laughs> yeah, completely right on Dark Tranquility. No question about it. But thank you so much for that review. I, I I love seeing that. Over on YouTube, we got a comment about episode 149, Bile, from The Stranger. I even consider Black from the Dead part of their collection. They also made an appearance in the movie Strangeland, written by D. Snyder. I like to say what Cannibal Corpse was to Ace Ventura, Bile was to Strangeland. Now I want to go see Strangeland. I, I haven't seen that in God knows how long. I don't think I've ever sat down and watched it. I I have, but it's... God, that's been out for 20-plus years now, I think. And apparently it has bile in it. Yeah, so I want to go check it out. Also on YouTube, Satanic Puppy Overlord says, in response to episode 180, Chimera, 
Darkest Hour was the first metalcore band to blatantly try to sound like At The Gates, and in my opinion is the only band to do it better than Gothenburg Mellow Death bands. That's a hot take. Without going into theory nonsense, using diatonic intervals and interchangeable bass pedal tone riffs was really getting a great innovation for the time they came out, since their first record was 98 and all. Additionally, a huge part of why they're so important is that they used to have and still have members of members with legit hardcore cred. Well, I mean, you can't argue with, uh, with, with legit hardcore cred, so, I mean, I, I think I agree with that comment. He forgot the part where he goes, oof. Sorry, this comment is from the future. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand what that meant, so I didn't read because it. Because he's talking about Darkest Hour, right? Right. In, instead of Chimera. Well, that's true, but it, it's it, fine. In other words, he wants us to do a Darkest Hour episode. Well, we we will do that at some point. How exactly do you get hardcore cred? Do you spend a lot of time sleeping in your bed of shame? I mean, maybe. Or is this a post-Memphis shall be laid to waste situation? No, I, I wouldn't throw out something like Memphis Will Be Laid to Waste by Norma Jean as anything having to do with hardcore cred. I would even go as far as to say people with hardcore cred probably don't listen to Norma Jean. What I'm trying to say is I don't have hardcore cred. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, tell me about Blind Guardian. Blind Guardian is a fantasy-themed power metal band from Germany who came out in 1984 under the name Lucifer's Heritage. But they quickly changed their name from that because they just they just didn't want to have an association with, like, satanic themes. But I could also understand that whenever you're much younger, naming your band Lucifer's Heritage is the way to go. Yeah, it sounds very brutal. So, I mean, I get, I get where they're coming from. They're like, yeah, that sounds badass, but... I'm getting a flashback to The Simpsons. We're the hell Satans. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually surprised they didn't call their band Morgoth. That would have been a good name. Yep. But Morgoth is an incredible death metal band, so there's that. Blind Guardian doesn't strike me as the most epic-sounding band in the world, but that's kind of the point, too. You don't want your fantasy band or fantasy-themed band to be so on the nose that people make fun of it for being fantasy. Well, we'll get into that. You know who, you know who the, the blind guardian is, right? It's Justice. I don't know if that's where they were coming from, but I'm just saying that's who the blind guardian is, is Justice. I know they had that song where they're just like, guardian, guardian, guardian of the blind. But uh, yeah, this band is is prolific. I mean, if you listen to power metal, you listen to Blind Guardian. And you know, in reference to my Iced Earth comment, I said that in the Iced Earth episode, why would I listen to Iced Earth if I could just listen to Blind Guardian? And I, I still very much have that opinion. And I think that I think that this band is probably the best, and essentially wrote the book on what you need, what elements you need to be a good power metal band. I don't know. I'd actually, after listening through the discography straight through, I would definitely put them in the same bag as Iced Earth, whereas Iced Earth is the milk. Blind Guardian is the cream that's on the top, but they're still in the same place. Who puts milk and cream into, like, a bowl of cereal? Everyone that has hardcore cred? I don't know. If Gotta you eat your cereal with half farm? and half. Come on. Dude, I fucking love half and half, man. There you go. 1988. Battalions of Fear. Yeah, this is not power metal yet, for the most part. No, this is just like straight speed metal. Yes, um, it is. In a lot of ways. A little bit of thrash in there, too. Uh, Blind Guardian started off significantly heavier than they were going to end up. And uh, I like that about this record. I like that it starts off with the circus theme. It's very classic. It's very 80s metal. And uh, But, I mean, it, it, 
it really busts out the out the gate with majesty. I mean, when the first song anybody ever hears from your band is seven seven minutes long, they know you're not fucking around. It's weird too because Hamzi screams so hard at the beginning of that song that I thought, like, wow, did were they like this brutal whenever they first started? But then it, it like it kind of levels out and he starts sounding like he like he normally sounds. But the first few seconds of that record might make you think that this was gonna have some kind of like extreme vocal on it. The first few songs on this record give me that Judas Priest vibe, that heavy metal with solos and loud, impactful vocals. And don't get me wrong, he has very impactful vocals, but it levels out to the Blind Guardian that we're used to very quickly. Yeah, Hanzi's got some pipes, dude. He's got a lot of power, even even on the first record. Yeah, the interesting thing with Hanzi is that it's kind of deceptive, too. Like, if you try to sing along... Because you're like, oh yeah, he's not getting that high. Then you're like, oh shit, no, this dude's really fucking up there. Because he just he has um, such a full full voice. Uh, it's such a high range. You don't realize how high the dude is going sometimes. And uh, I, I I do like that about him. Hanzi over the years uh, has uh, is really kept it strong. It, it's in it. He's it. This is a great album. I actually kind of like more of the speed thrash feel from them personally. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I. This is one of my favorite albums, and it's just because I kind of get you going. I, I love the the uh, late '80s, early '90s kind of kick you in the face, just brutality. It just go as fast as you can. I, I, I like that kind of feel, and I think they do it really, really well. Uh, it was better than I was expecting because I haven't heard, I I didn't hear a ton of this album, and I think some of the uh, the tracks that I heard off of this before, I didn't realize was them. When they it's been played for me before, uh, you know I just thought it was like a Hanzi side project and not actual Blind Guardian, because I know he's done, he just done plenty of side projects. So I just assume it was another one of those. Right, because when you listen to Blind Guardian, you're expecting the fantasy, epic, traditional instruments. It sounds like a giant epic production as opposed to a straight heavy metal power metal record. Yeah, I think I like this one because it's more bare bones. It's just it's just a band in a room playing heavy metal, you know. And like, if I had to criticize it at all, I think the choruses are a little are a little repetitive. Cheesy is what I was gonna go for. Yeah, but like like the uh, cheese is strong. <laughs> yeah, like the like the song "Wizard's Crown," which I'm gonna criticize it, but it's probably one of my favorite Blind Guardian songs. Uh, but just like Halloween, 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 which is what that song was actually originally called. Um, but I guess for whatever reason they changed it, but it, you know, it, it goes on a little too much. Um, and like with the song Guardian of the Blind, it, it's very, very, very repetitive, but like, I don't care that much and it's not like a super, super long record. So, I mean, I, I give it a, I definitely give it a, a, a free pass as far as like it was their first record. They hadn't, you know, they weren't the masters that they were going to become yet, but I think, I think the kind of amateurish approach is kind of what the appeal is uh, on these early Blind Guardian records. Absolutely. Yeah, I like the, the rawness and the visceralness of it. You know, I guess like you said, I just kind of believe their uh, the the emotion that they're putting into it. I believe it. Like, I, I think these guys are really intense and pumped when they made this, and I think that's what makes it good. Like, I like that kind of... I Every once in a while I like that style. I think these guys do it really well. It, that's the other interesting thing uh, about Blind Guardian. I mean, they always get called like a power metal, prog metal. I mean, but it just proves that they're more than just one facet. I mean, they're they got a lot of things going for them. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this record is is a great starting point for the band. And um, what's cool is like, so if you stream the record now, uh, there's a bunch of re- there's a bunch of like bonus tracks, and the bonus tracks have like a lot of early versions of these songs on them. And I actually really like the way the demo versions sound. They're pretty brutal. Uh, they're they're dirtier. They're grittier. Like a garage kind of feel to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, realistically, it's just because they were recorded like very shittily. But like, <laughs> but this is shittily. Heavy. Is that yeah. a word now? Yeah, it's my word. Uh, but I mean, it, it's heavy metal, man. Like, it, of course, you know, it, the demo can't sound amazing, you know. But I, I, I really liked hearing the earlier versions of these songs, um, like because I, I, I prefer the Halloween demo version to what ultimately became the Wizard's Crown. So, like, that's. I don't really talk about bonus tracks that often, but in this case, I really liked it. And also, the original release, the album's only eight tracks, but whenever it was released on cassette, it was released with a ninth song called Gandalf's Rebirth, which is like an instrumental. And uh, it's cool. I, I love it. I love the solos on this record. It's a really good, it's a really, really good product because, like, for me, I have a lot of trouble appreciating classic metal bands. Uh, like, I like Iron Maiden, but I can't listen to too much of it. Um, I like Judas Priest, but I, I can't listen to too much of it because it just it doesn't punch enough for me. Whereas Blind Guardian is kind of like that sweet spot for me, where it's got enough thrash in it to keep me interested. It bridges the gap for yes, you. Yes, yes, uh, because it you know the songs hit hard. Whereas I feel like some of the cla- more classic heavy metal bands don't don't hit super hard. And it's not their fault. It's just that it you know by nineteen by by nineteen eighty eight. You know, you, you had more extreme metal influences to draw from. Right, and originally there was just more pomp and circumstance than there was, you know, brutality. That was more, well, that's more of what was around. And like you said, they, there just wasn't enough else to grab from for influences. And there was enough influences by the, the late 80s that you could say, okay, I can do speed and thrash. I mean, just look at the, you know, the Bay Area scene and everything that was blowing up. Yeah. There was plenty of it, places to... A pull influence from 1989 follow the blind just like when you record this podcast right well i think uh, i'm gonna i gotta i gotta say this inquisition fuck yeah i I, I just wanted to start i wanted to be a monk and banging myself in the head with the board yeah, it did kind of bum me out that the, that that sound effect wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, but I actually, <laughs> I made it myself. I, I well, promise. <laughs> I don't think I actually don't think this is sampled from Monty Python. Uh, I think this is actual like recorded monks. It's just the Monty Python one was like the joke was the smacking themselves in the face. Yeah, uh, but I, the, the, these are actual chants that were chanted by monks. So I think this is actually taken from like a legit recording of that. Oh, see, I, I don't I, necessarily know if it's sampled. I could be totally wrong on that, but like I can't see why they would sample that and cut the the smacking out of it because they're not a joke. You're right about that. This record is no fucking joke. Uh, this is this is like Battalions of Fear on crack. Like this is this is heavier than. Okay, it's not like. They didn't go death metal on this record, but like they, they definitely there's way more thrash and speed metal here. No, I, I would say this is uh, this is it on uh, on shrooms because they are seeing some really fantastical things. Yeah, while while playing, and that's I think that this is one of my favorite albums of of theirs. This is also the first time that you hear the Blind Guardian voice. They weren't layering in multiple background singers yet. 
but this is the first time it truly sounds like Blind Guardian. The tone of the voice, the enunciation, the verses, and the style that would go on to be this band's sound. This is the first time you really hear that. There are songs on this record that are so much heavier than I was expecting. Uh, Fast to Madness is like like actual like crunchy riffs and you know like it it it's a slow build but it's a fucking great song um and like banished from sanctuary it's classic like i don't know man like this record is probably i don't want to say it's my favorite blind guardian record that's the next one it's a little early for that yeah but i mean this is this is a huge step forward their chorus game is is way better this time around uh, like i was complaining about the choruses on the last record and uh, this one, they're, they're starting to kind of get it. They're, they're kind of starting to come into their own. You know, kind of like what Joe was saying. This is where they really start sounding like Blind Guardian as we know them today. But the benefit is that we get heavier songs. Uh, and there's no, there's no like, bullshit prog stuff thrown in there for no reason. Yeah, that's, I think that's the reason why I like these, the early to mid albums of Blind Guardian is that it is just, it's straight ahead power metal, which just, it's fucking great. It's, it's a standard that most other bands don't meet uh, within the genre. And I, I think it's because they, they're they not just a, a pure power metal band, at least uh, not on this. And the, and the next one, uh, Tales from the Twilight World, uh, it's more of a... We're getting there, Jeff. Calm no, down. No, I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> these, these are just... Uh, it's power metal with elements of other types of metal mixed in. It's kind of like whenever you have a stew, you know, you want to throw a couple other seasonings in there, you know, just to give it some flavor instead of it just being straight on bland power metal. And that's why I think I like Blind Guardian so much is because they do sprinkle in a lot of those other elements and it it sounds great. I, that's how I like my power metal. I, it's If this isn't my favorite, uh, Follow the Blind is probably, it's at least in my top three and probably number two. I really, really like Follow the Blind. I can, there's nothing about this album that I don't have a problem listening to. All right, Jeff, you ready to talk about the Beach Boys cover? I am, because I freaked <laughs> the fuck out. Because, holy shit, these guys did Barbara Ann total justice. Like, I could not believe how well they do surf rock. I, I, would, I was flabbergasted. Because I used to sing this song to my kids all the time. Because, you know, you do the ba, ba, ba. Barbara Ann. You know, you do that with like a little kid and they freak out because you're doing the real low voice. And then all of a sudden you start hitting it with falsetto. So the kids love it. And like I heard this, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I mean, like you could uh, put these guys in a time capsule, move them back 20 years and pull them back out. And they could totally kick it in the surf rock era. These guys are awesome. It just it just proves my my point on how versatile and how good these guys can be because they can just up and throw you know a, a fairly daunting you know song to cover because it's not like everybody can cover the Beach Boys and Barbara Ann's not an easy song especially vocally uh, to cover. I do think it was interesting how they played it so amazingly straight. Like you would think they're like oh they're gonna power metal this up. They do not. They play the song exactly as it was written, and um, and then and then they then they transition into this little Richard cover, yeah, <laughs> like right after that. And I'm yeah, just long, like long tongue, long tall Sally, 
doing the vocals on that on top of that, yeah, you're right. It's just like crazy on how good it is. This is one of those moments where I really thought that Spotify was fucking with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, cause I'm listening to these while I'm working and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I remember the Barbara Ann cover, but then when you got to long, T long tall Sally, it was like, what, what, like what, what is happening right now? It's like, I'm still in the same song. And, uh, yeah, very, very strange way to end off a record. That's this heavy, but, uh, apparently these guys like, you know, um, they like, you know, early rock and roll. And uh, I would imagine that if you can play speed metal proficiently, then you can probably handle some surf rock. It's time for 1990s Tales from the Twilight World. Dude, this is when the shit started getting really good. I'm going to say this is the definitive Blind Guardian album. This is the one everybody cites when they talk about Blind Guardian. If it's not this, it's Night at the Opera. And I know everybody makes fun of the Hobbit thing, calling the band Hobbit Metal, as Jeff has pointed out multiple times tonight. They did one record in Middle Earth, and we're going to get to it shortly. But this is the blueprint for epic power metal. It gives you the layering. It gives you the melodic elements, the traditional elements. It puts everything together in a package that does not match the popular music that was coming out in 1990. This is a hell of a record. Like, Traveler in Time's awesome, uh, but Welcome to Dying is probably my favorite Blind Guardian song. Like, when I think of Blind Guardian, Welcome to Dying just starts playing in my head. Uh, this record is is not as much like thrash speed metal like the old, like the previous two were. This is where it starts sounding a lot more power metal. And but again, they haven't they haven't gone into Prague, which a lot of these bands like to do uh, around this transition. They still play it straight. There's still tons of double bass, lots of speed, but but the songwriting is approached very differently than than the previous records. Where the previous record was just like one, two, three, go. Uh, this record, they, they've they've really crafted these songs to include as many different little flourishes and elements as they can, uh, which leads to some incredible solo work, some really, really, really good leads and. I think I think the song though that really really stands out to me is not even a heavy song. It's the Lord of the Rings song. Yep, that's the same same and thing. It's even like because at first you start listening to it, you get about a minute and a half, two minutes into it, and it's like okay, it's like a ballad or whatever. They haven't really done that yet, you know. So it was welcome, you know. You're like oh cool, but once once you get into that, uh, once you get into that chorus and and all of these layered vocals come in you start realizing that this band is actually evoking feelings that I didn't think that a band like this could do. Like, like they're on a whole different level now. Like they're, they are, they're playing power metal that actually makes me feel something. And it's like in that almost like classic rock vein. And I love it. It, it, it really, really is a landmark song for them and just showed how diverse they could actually be. Because you know, there's tons of there's tons of fast soloy power metal bands out there, but I felt like this song especially like really, really, really reined it in for them. Yeah, there's something uh, almost theatrical on this, and I know I don't mean that in the campy way. Kind of like how you were pulling like on the classic and arena rock feel. I mean, this feels larger than life. It, it kind of it gets you going in a way that you wouldn't expect. I mean, yeah, there's still you got your galloping bass and you got plenty of double bass drum and all that kind of shit going on. But 
his and Hanzi's inflections. I mean, he really takes off vocally on this album. I think it he uh, he starts treating his voice and the different types of tones and the different types of sounds that he can make with his voice. He starts treating it like a, an instrument in it of itself uh, and for effect, you know, for emotional effect. And it works great on this. And it it uh, he, it really just kind of all comes together because there's still enough of other elements thrown in that you realize this is more than just basic, you know, in-your-face power metal. It's got enough other stuff sprinkled in still that that's what makes him good. And that this is probably my favorite album i'd have to say and i think it's probably dan's too isn't it it's close oh this is not it it's not it this is the oh, first wow. this is the first blind guardian record i ever heard uh i actually bought it for two bucks at cd warehouse in the hodgepodge bin and uh it's funny now because that that same store would like heavily capitalize on metal releases but back then i don't know if it was different management or whatever but they didn't give a shit about metal at all so you could buy some pretty classic shit there for like next to nothing yeah, it just means they didn't know what they had. Yeah, th this is, and this was great, man. Like when I popped this in for the first time on the way home, I mean, do we all miss that a little bit? Like, not trying to. This is like my old guy moment of the of the podcast tonight. But uh, like, I, I miss buying a CD that I've never heard before and walking out to my car and putting it in the CD player and hearing it for the first time on the on the way home. You know, and you like, still don't have a CD player in your car. I actually do not. No. You so player? you need to find cassettes that are bands you've never heard before. <laughs> I, I drive a shitty Ford pickup truck that doesn't actually have any type of media uh, availability. So a lot of the times I drive around with earbuds in. So And that's not illegal here. I know it's illegal some places, but it's not here. Um, but yeah, so that, that, was, that was a great, this was a great introduction to the band. And uh, obviously I started trying to collect their releases, uh, at least from that point on. The selfish metal fan in me wishes that the band had stayed right here. This record has the perfect balance of thrash, heavy metal, and power metal mixed together to create the ultimate fantasy metal experience. The guitars thrash, the leads are intense, the solos sound good and they make sense, and it sounds just shitty enough the drums have that flat thrash production that really sounds best to my ears on a cassette tape in a boombox in the corner or riding in the passenger seat of dan's car i think we call that term in the pocket those were some pretty shit speakers though but <laughs> <laughs> those cassettes man come on do you remember too that that tape player was so bad in my first car like you could and it didn't matter how good the tape actually sounded but there was just always that hiss yes oh god i'm actually i'm kind of nostalgic for the hiss but i mean i'm not gonna like try to recreate that but yeah like it's definitely something from my past that i i feel a little nostalgia for I think the worst part is I made you listen to Mortification tapes. <laughs> like that's, that's they were like, the classic tapes, though. Yeah, dude, but that's like ripping a scab off and just pouring salt all up in that shit. Like <laughs> it was bad, but, but yeah, back to Blind Guardian. This record is is absolutely a classic. And if if this had been like the the last thing they ever put out, yeah, hands down would have been my favorite. It's my favorite up to this point. Nineteen ninety two, somewhere far beyond. Beyond where? Somewhere. Beyond Tales from the Twilight World. 
which I don't think that it is. Uh, I do think that this record, you know, Joe, you were saying you wish that they had stayed here. They, you know, they kind of do on this record. This is uh, this is much better produced record than Tales from the Twilight World. Uh, it's got a lot more like glitz and glam to it, but like overall, this is this is Blind Guardian, kind of Blind Guardian's best era for me uh, because it's still undeniably heavy metal. But I start really, really liking how much better they become as songwriters. Uh, the choruses hit. Um, they're drawing from multiple different influences. I mean, they've got two songs on this record called The Bard Song, and they're both about completely different forms of media. So, like, one of them, the first Bard Song in the forest is about the classic DOS, uh, and probably even before DOS, uh, computer RPG, The Bard's Tale, uh, Tales from the Unknown. So, like, number one, that's a cool fucking nod. <laughs> uh, but, and then... I just bought the Bard's Tale 4 on sale. There you go. I, got, I actually got the Bard's Tale trilogy remastered on Steam recently. I uh, have not played it yet, but it, it, it looks pretty promising. But, uh, yeah, the Bard song, uh, the Hot, and obviously the next one is about the Hobbit, uh, which is cool. And I think this is where people are kind of like, man, these guys really, really, really like Tolkien. <laughs> well, <laughs> Tolkien's not the only artist or art or um, author that they reference on here. The Quest for Tantalorn, that is actually one of my favorite authors of all time, Michael Moorcock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. Of course, you're one of your favorite authors' last name is Moorcock. Michael Moorcock introduced us the modern anti-hero. Okay. In, in Elric. Yeah, seriously, he really did. He, cre he essentially gave us the modern anti-hero. You would have no, you know, Deadpools or anything like that without Michael Moorcock. It's a cool song, and the first time I heard it, I totally fucking freaked out because I never thought in my wildest dreams that somebody would actually reference one of his books because he's kind of like the uh, the dark elf seedy underbelly of uh, Tolkien's beautiful world because that's essentially what uh, he wrote his stuff was kind of to be an antithesis to Tolkien. He wanted to have a grittier, darker edge on... Uh, on fantasy, and I, I was just so stoked when I when I heard uh, he, we're talking about Hawkmoon on this stuff. I mean, it's not Elric stuff, but yeah, I was just super stoked. So super cool, and uh, this album won me over just because of that damn song. Uh, time, what is time, is what won me over on this, uh, just because it's like about Blade Runner, and I just I love like, and I feel like a lot of this record, th this one ha kind of has darker themes. Uh, than we've had previously, like everything else has been kind of high fantasy. This is this digs into some of the like hard, like dark sci-fi shit too, uh, and I, I really, really, really enjoy that. Um, oh, they did do a Stephen. King. I guess Tommy Knockers off the last record was a Stephen King. The band is very much into all aspects of fantasy. They're one of the few bands that I can think of that take a little bit of whatever they were listening to or watching or reading that day, and it all ends up on the next record. It appeals to me in a different way than other progressive or power metal bands do. Like if I listen to Battle Beast, I'm going to get ancient gods-driven epic metal, but I'm going to get a lot of the same thing. If I listen to Blind Guardian, you might get a song about Hobbits, but you also might get a song about a Stephen King book. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling the irony that my album of the week is going to be an audiobook. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the title the title track "Somewhere Far Beyond" is based off of the Dark Tower, 
So, I mean, yeah, this I'm is... never going to finish that. Yeah, you won't. <laughs> Neither but, will Stephen King. <laughs> right. But I do, th- I, like, I, I do think this record was darker, but I think, I think sound-wise, I think they've stayed in that pocket of what they, they achieved on Tales from the Twilight World, but they're, they're kind of polishing that. And, uh, and, and for that, I salute them. I love it. It's, 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 the boys did it again. It's great. They killed it on this record. Are we ready to travel to the other side with our imaginations from the other side? 1995. <laughs> this is pretty dark for them. This is darker than expected. Definitely not what I was expecting after somewhere far beyond. And again, when you listen to Blind Guardian, you're expecting it to be traditional driven heavy epic music this is the slasher movie circa 1985 with the all electronics soundtrack maybe it's made by john carpenter just to make me happy i talked about the last record being darker but that was kind of like a grayscale dark this is like solid black not that it's black metal but like it's it's definitely a progression on their sound but I think the thing that stands out more than the music on this is just the source material and just the overall mood that this record creates. It's definitely the most like depressing Blind Guardian we've gotten so far. Has my favorite song on it. Of all time? Of theirs. Imaginations from the other side, the, uh, the first track. Fucking love this song. These guys have no problem opening an album on, up with a seven minute song. I know, isn't that great? No intro. And that's just- old school heavy metal at its best. You're going to get eight minutes, not four and a half. That was the pop songs back in the 80s. Yeah, well, there's also no 30-second intro. This is just like, fuck you, yep. Seven and a half minutes of awesomeness. Right. I appreciate that in ways I cannot explain. I get so tired of listening to records that have really good songs, but the first two and a half minutes of the song I want to listen to are ominous waves and wind. And maybe there's an animal shrieking and howling in the background. I was so artistic when I thought of this. And then two and a half minutes later, the song that you want to listen to starts playing. Blind Guardian, they don't mess around with that. They lead you in almost immediately on every single album. I really like the way uh, they use the layered voices on this track in particular. That's sometimes one of the bigger beefs I have with Blind Guardian when I, I... do have beefs with them and i think they do this they do it justice on this track in particular and i think it's part of the reason why i like it so much because i'm always big on harmonized vocals and they do it really well on this track yeah this is when our, where they kind of started that more i mean they, they'd kind of done it a little bit before but like this is where they, they really start doubling down on the extra singers you know and 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 having and it really works here to create a more epic sound um, I think that they're definitely going to overdo it as they go on. But here it was just still kind of just an enhancement. It wasn't like the sound. Gentlemen, shall we travel down the fantasy road? 1998, Nightfall in Middle Earth. So is this like the middle of the Great War, but Batman shows up and then Bane shows up and says, I will break you, Batman, and then we have Nightfall. In Middle-earth? That is not what it's based on. (laughs) This is really interesting because I think that this is really the album for Blind Guardian. 
I think this was kind of the last Blind Guardian album that played it safe, which is weird that I'm saying that like a, a that I'm saying that like a band like this could that a concept album would be a safe bet. Yeah. But I mean, how many albums have they put out already? How many power metal bands have already like put out like their second album as a concept album? Uh, these guys really held off for a long time. Yeah, it went all the way to what? This is the sixth, or is that the seventh? I, it's like album nineteen or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like think it's, it's six, I think, but I'm not positive. Yeah, this is this is really, really, probably the album that everybody thinks about when they think of Blind Guardian. This is where the Lord of the Rings stereotype comes from, right? Totally, because this is this is the first album where every song is about Tolkien. Yeah, this is straight up concept album, and uh, my hot take is this is uh, the last album that I'm on the Blind Guardian train. Wow, okay. you're getting off at the opera, Jeff. Yep. That's crazy. You've been yeah, wrong before. I, I you know, can do it know, again if you'd like. I know that my opinion on this is going to be a, a bit of contrarian perspective, but yeah, I love this album. But this is the this might be the last album of theirs that I actually love what they're doing. Doesn't mean that I hate what they're doing, but this is the last album I I genuinely love what's going on. I love the lyrical perspective on this record because they are telling a story. But they're not telling the Tolkien story. I like the focus on the first age of Middle-earth. Like, this is all uh, Cimmerillion, you know? Th all of it is. And, like, that's a story that I'm not going to lie. Um, the Silmarillion is the only Tolkien book that I couldn't finish because it is so disjointed. I know it tells a story, but, like, it's almost too much for me. Whereas I can get the basic Cliff Notes version of that book from listening to this album. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it was essentially disjointed as it was released. So, I mean, it's not like you're... you're, well, you're it wasn't you're, a finished work. It wasn't yes. a polished work like, yes. like Lord of the Rings was. Correct. So, I mean, I understand where you're coming from on that. You're not Because you're not the only one that feels that way. Because that's, that's a pretty standard consensus. It takes... Uh, even people who are really hardcore... Like, well, there's a guy I work with that... He, he is about as big a Tolkien fan as, as there can be. And he has a hard time... Uh, reading that book to this day and, and he still tries to to read it every few years but he goes it's just a, such a fucking challenge he goes i can burn through everything else but this is like you said it's disjointed that's the best way to put it but it offers a lot of great source material uh, to make some really great songs so I, i'm not really going to complain too terribly much that opening riff to into the storm is like so classic for this band and like they really bring out the whole battlefield feeling in their in their songs. Uh, they, they really you 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 get into it after you after you hear the opening. Like because okay, so this this is one of those concept albums where they kind of try to tell you the story in between songs, and so you get um, you get what almost sounds like clips from actual Lord of the Rings. And to keep in mind, this is like before Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. You know, so this was Not like by much. This was a very epic take on these old old Tolkien stories and they were stories that I think a lot of people weren't familiar with uh, and, but I mean they, they present it so beautifully here that it, it literally sounds like they're talking about like a film series and it sounds like they're taking actual clips from a film and it like this is this is probably one of my favorite concept albums because yeah it does all the stuff that I complain about about concept records and number one this fucker is 65 minutes long <laughs> and is full of fucking interludes. I mean, interludes out the ass. I mean, the original release was 22 tracks, 
And then, of course, if you like the Japanese bonus track version or whatever, you can get like 24 tracks. Uh, at one point, I think the most recent, uh, the most recent re-release was 2018, and that one has 25 tracks. So, I mean, pick your goddamn poison. Yeah, you talked about not singing about elves enough, so there's plenty of songs about elves on this one. Yeah, there's a lot of songs about elves, about yeah, the dark el lords, but dude, yeah, they the talk el the they Eldar. Yeah, which is essentially that's the name given by to the elves. But yeah, the uh, that's one of my favorite songs on here. But I, I like this is the um, like you said, it's a very very good uh, concept album, and, and the fact that they took so long to. To piece it together uh, to make sure that they got it right, uh, I think is great, because that sometimes that is the challenge. Like like you said, you will come out, with, you know, these proggy bands. Their second album is a hundred minute, you know, concept album, and they've literally spent years recording it and mixing it and editing the solos to get everything absolutely perfect. Yeah, or you could just go ahead and just say, you know, screw you, and just do several hours of concepts. If your name is Swallow the Sun. I mean, thank, <laughs> thank God it's not Songs from the North, part 867 or whatever that horrible album was by them. And I love that band. But yeah, this was great. This was a labor of love. I mean, it features the OG Dark Lord, Morgoth. You know, like, that, that's so badass. Like, people are like, oh, Sauron, he's the Dark Lord. No, the Dark Lord before Sauron. That's the Dark way, Lord you know about. Way worse, yeah. Watch yeah. out for the Dark Lord you don't know. He's the more dangerous one. Yeah, because Sauron used to be his right-hand little bitch. Absolutely. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that. I think that I think that this record is is probably, like, what it was all building up to for Blind Guardian. I think, I think if you'd followed the band from their inception, you knew that we were eventually going to get here. This is the first time I find it difficult to sit and listen to Blind Guardian in the quantity that we had to do it this week. I like listening to this band, but the concept record, the true concept record, has to be sat and listened to and consumed. It's the ultimate Jeff Kane listening experience. I need the beer or the coffee or the tea. I probably lit candles for myself because, yes, that's how I listen to records. And I've cranked the stereo just enough to where I can feel the shake in the bass. And then the epic just takes over. I don't always want to do that. And for me, it's frustrating because Blind Guardian does it so well, it becomes harder to listen to other bands do the epic concept record. Take that, Iced Earth. Yeah, well... What you're talking you about? You said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, they do such a. What makes this album so good is that they do such a great job of telling a story. That's what sets this concept album apart from a lot of others. Is that they they keep you in with the hook. I mean, and I'm not talking about a, a, a hook from a song, but I'm just talking about the story itself. It's is, more like symphony and less like opera. Right. Yeah. It just, it, there's just, it's very interesting to listen to because there, like you said, there's a story being told the whole time. And I don't mind the little interludes where, you know, the guy comes in and starts, you know, doing his, uh, his best British accent of whatever it is that he's talking. And, <laughs> but I, it works and I, I love it and I enjoy it. And I have no problem sitting down and listening to this straight through. It's still not my favorite album. 
but it's definitely one of my favorite stories that a band tells. Yeah, I mean, I love it, man. Like, five stars, 10 out of 10, would buy again. Uh, I think that, like, this is one of the... Because, dude, I only, I probably only like, like, two concept albums. Like, ever. And this is one of them? This is one of them. And, and because if you're going to do a concept record, this is how you do it. Uh, I think the problem is, though, is that it's just the right length to where if this had been, like, four or five more songs, they would have overdone it. You know? And I'd have been like, okay, all right, we're done. Like, if you have to... If you have to have a second disc on your concept record, like just go, go back and, and make some cuts, you know, because I think this is the perfect length for it. And I think the attention to detail was good. Uh, one thing that we haven't really talked about is this was probably the first record that they did that I felt like there were some prog elements starting to sneak in. Uh, there's not a whole lot like it, it's not enough to be off putting and they obviously haven't changed their sound. But uh, I did notice a little bit more of that proggy unconventional song structure. And I think uh, upon first listen, it was like, yeah, there's something a little different about this record, but I thought it was just because, like, well, they're doing a thing on this record, so that's why it sounds different. Uh, well, well, I didn't realize how wrong I was. <laughs> no, with the uh, it's what I was talking about before and why I like it uh, with these first few, uh, first six albums or seven albums, whatever it is, is they're sprinkling in just enough to flavor it instead of it being overpowered. And that definitely, uh, I think, ought to lead us into the next album because that definitely changes. They just dumped the whole fucking bottle of spice in on the next one. 2002, A Night at the Opera. I hate this album. Fucking hate it. I did not have high hopes for this record because anything called A Night at the Opera, you don't name your record A Night at the Opera. Queen already did that. You presumptuous fuck. <laughs> The music is good. It doesn't have the same feel, though. It's a little more, we're trying to be more intense. More like the early 90s, late 80s records. But now we have 17 layers of background vocals. And it's worth pointing out that the 90s records, and with only one change, they always had session background singers. So I get the impression that these were live recorded almost choirs. I mean, it's not a choir if you've only got six people, but... I thought it was just a choir of Hanzis. A lot of people do think that. I think it is. I think they had you session... Think so? I yeah. think they had session uh, background singers, but I think those were just for a live setting. On the actual record, it is just, it is just copy and paste Hanzi. I think you have that backwards. No, I'm right. I mean, if you if you if you look in the liner notes, Hanzi is the only one credited for vocals. Like that's it. Ugh. Damn. Uh, yeah, it, it remember what I said about you, wall. presumptuous fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's just that's that's just where it is. I mean, I'm sure they had to bring singers in for live shows, but no, this was this was all Hanzi, man. And I think okay, so I'm gonna be I'm not as hot a take on this record as Jeff is surprisingly this really should have been backwards in my mind this whole conversation <laughs> uh, but I like the first half of this record or like really kind of more like the first four songs uh, I think that Precious Jerusalem and Battlefield are fucking bangers um, Under the Ice is cool Sadly Sings Destiny but once you get into the Maiden and the Minstrel Night I'm over it like I'm really taken in. I'm really taken in by how how big this record sounds. 
and obviously the, a huge change in the vocals and that you're just being sung to by an army of one dude and um i think it's it's really really cool what they did here but i don't think that these innovations make up for the lack of super heavy riffs and really really cool intricate solos uh, that stuff is there kind of but this is definitely going for the more like I, I don't know like again you, you name this after a queen record what do you expect like you think that this is going to be like super operatic record and it is that but I think the biggest issue with that I have with it is that it's just too much of it it's overdoing it. It's like eating too much chocolate. Like, I love, I love Precious Jerusalem. It's my favorite song on the record. And one of my favorite Blind Guardian songs. I love Battlefield. I love Sadly Sings Destiny. I love those songs. But the rest of the record, it's just, it's just the same shit as that. And it goes on for way too long. I remember being super stoked when I got to the last track. And then I was like, oh, fuck, it's 14 minutes long. You know, like, they just couldn't, they couldn't rein it in. And then if you could imagine listening to all that shit... But then, like, you bought a re-release, so there's, like, five fucking bonus tracks on it. Uh, it overstays its welcome. That's the biggest issue I have with this record is I feel like if they'd put this out as, like, a five-song EP and been like, yeah, we, we, we tried doing a thing on this one. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, that what was 45 think? minutes long. Five-song EP that's 45 minutes long. Well, it wouldn't have been that long. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have been that long. It would have been, like, a 30-minute deal. But like, Well, it just depends on if And Then There Was Silence was on there or not. <laughs> Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny. They released it. I think they released. Single. They released like yeah. That they was released their motherfucking single. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, they put that out in like a B side, uh, and that was the single. It's a 14 minute song, and it's like, oh Jesus, um, Precious Jerusalem, actually about Jesus. Um, but I think like what I what I really loved about these first few songs is I was like, okay, if this is the direction they're gonna go in, as long as they can keep up the intensity and do this, I think it's fine. But I don't think that they kept the intensity up more than just like a few songs. Yeah, it, it was it was spotty. It was definitely hit or miss. The the whole uh, choir of Hanzis with the ridiculously layered vocals just it was like a horde of locusts, and their name were their name was Hanzi. Just showed up and just ate everything and just laid the place barren because there was nothing left good. Once all that shit Man, took over. the way over. you described that made me think it was going to be, like, awesome. Uh, <laughs> Awesomely, brutally Yeah, like, shitty. brutally devastating. <laughs> it was brutally devastating in the wrong way. Well, those first few songs are... Yeah, they're fine. I'm not going to I'm not gonna bitch about them at all. Enough, I like those. There's enough power metal in them for me to be like, okay, I, I can get... But, it, but it's like they're trying to transition out of power metal by the time you get to the end of the record, and I think that's why my interest just drops off. You know, like it's it's too much to pay attention to. I and I don't even think it's bad songwriting, but it's definitely not my thing. Like it's not what I listen to metal to hear. You're right. You know, it it starts becoming proggy symphonic, you know, theater uh, of metal. I mean, it's theatrical it, is the word I was looking for, Jeff. This is when the band finally transitions into the Blind Guardian that I think of when you mention Blind Guardian. Most people, when you say Blind Guardian, they think of this Celtic-sounding band with these epic verses that kind of has these metal elements. But it's more theatrical now and not so much metal. So the band definitely had a transition into that, and they didn't just jump into it. They slowly made that transition 
but you're not expecting it, and you're definitely not expecting it in the middle of an album. I don't know where we go from here. Well, I tell you what, we do go. No more fucking badass guitar solos. Yeah, I'm not really lot, happy about that. Yeah, that that was one of the things, and I I think they lost the guitarist because of this album, if I'm not mistaken. It was a drummer. Was it their drummer that just said fuck it? He was just like, yeah, this really is my thing. <laughs> so he was out after that. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, man. Th- I know this is uh, like the uh, what a lot of people think of when it comes to Blind Guardian. I think it's one of their best-selling albums. But man, for me, it's just ridiculously disappointing. Uh, I just did not like the direction they went. I mean, cool for them that they went a direction, and you know they've stayed committed to it. They keep. They continue to go down this road the more and more each day that you know that passes but that's just not not exactly what i was expecting from them because i just i love their power metal feel man i love it if this was the first album that you heard would you be into it nope and i wouldn't be in the blind guardian completely going the opposite way what is this garbage is what you're saying oh I'm not going to say what is this garbage. Uh, if this was the first time I'd heard it, I'd say, yeah, this is not a style that I actively seek out to listen to uh, in great quantities. It's a gimmick at this point. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm just talking about it. If, if it's the first album you've heard. Yeah, if it's the first... I'm not going to say that it's a gimmick if it's the first time I've heard it because I, I don't... I can't say if it's a gimmick or not because I don't know who they are. If it's the first time I've heard it, I would just say this is a a form of metal that I do not consume in large quantities. And the thing is, is that blind guardians pretty fucking prolific. So they have a lot uh, that's still coming out and this is not my cup of tea. That's really all that it comes down to. I'm, I'm sure there's, we have listeners out there that just fucking worship at the altar of this album. It's just not my uh, interpretation of what is good. Blind guardian. I like the record. But I like the record in the context of the band's discography. It is by no means their best record. But it gives you the best story of the band that you're going to get going forward. And I appreciate that because they gave me that chance to transition. As opposed to this record is all theatrical. No more metal. If they had fully transitioned in one record without giving us that, then we would be in another Opeth situation of, okay, I know these guys want to be progressive rock from the 60s, but why does their newest record sound like it came out in the 60s? I think you guys are being a little harsh. God, did I just say that? Nope, I don't think I am. Get out of my house. (laughs) Uh, You're not the real Dan. You are fake Dan. I think that, like... I think that really just that this album could have been really great if the actual material had been better. I don't think it's necessarily like the sound itself that's bad because there are several tracks on this record that are pretty damn enjoyable. There's just not enough of them. You know, because like I feel like if every song sounded like Precious Jerusalem, we'd be having a different conversation. Uh, but unfortunately, it just kind of fizzles out. You know, it loses its in- it loses the intensity you know, I say this all the time. The first few tracks set you up for an experience that you're not going to get. You yeah, know, and that's... It, that's called a cock tease. Yeah, it just happens. You know, I mean, every band does it. This is this is not a, this is not a St. Anger. This is not the Embarrassment album. Uh, but it's it's they just tried something a little different, and it just didn't work out for them. Yeah, the em- Embarrassment album does eventually happen, though. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> 
2006, a twist in the myth. Uh, more of the same that I'm not interested in. I know it's a dick move on my part, but... It really is, and I would question whether you even listened to it. Oh, no, I, I, I absolutely did. This sounds nothing like a night at the opera. No, it doesn't. I mean, the Hansi Choir is still yeah, here in that's full effect. What, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. I can't stand the Hansi Choir. It makes these al- these last several albums unlistenable for me. It sounds very derogatory when you say it like that for some reason, Jeff. No, it, <laughs> it has, you know, I've made it very clear on here many a times that if there's something very off-putting, off-putting with the vocals, I have a very hard time overcoming that. And there's something about the Hansi Choir that just rubs me the wrong way i mean it's it's you know it's pouring salt in the wound it just doesn't do it for me i can't focus on anything else good that might be going on because it's just too damn distracting for me i don't know man i mean i listen to i listen to grindcore so like i'm not like too (laughs) too worried about the vocals but see that's the fucked up thing is i dig like grindcore vocals i mean i i I know it's my issue as a consumer the product is 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 out there and and a lot of other people are saying the product is good i know it's me as a consumer that has you know an odd palette it's not the music's fault it's what i'm expecting is not what i'm getting and i'm just not happy with it because i'm still expecting the old power metal blind guardian which is really bizarre for me because that's normally I talk about I like, you know, bands taking risks and this is a risk that just didn't pay off for me and it's so, and it's a sound uh that they stuck with uh that stayed as a constant even if there's other things that change because the music definitely gets heavier on, on a on a twist in the myth but the vocal layering is still very very prominent. I mean, I could see where you're coming from on that, but I mean, you know, I do think that they beefed up again on this record. I think that there probably was a little bit of backlash on A Night at the Opera. But I think that, you know, they beefed up the parts that I feel like metal fans were complaining about. You know, where are the guitar solos? Where's the double bass? Where's the, you know, like, where is all that stuff? Even though that stuff is actually on A Night at the Opera. uh, But you have to get through it to find it, and that's the hard part. Uh, But, like... Yeah, it's layered to death on that one. And it's not as much on this. You're right, but it's just the vocals that give me a difficult... Give me a difficult go. That's all. I thought this was a good return for the for the hardcore fans. Um, I think that they did everything right on this one. This is a good comeback record for them, and you know, for the most part, I think that they they succeeded here. But it's like any band that incorporates different elements as they go. Blind Guardian has always, you know, they started off like I said, very bare bones on Battalions of Fear. And as time went on, they incorporated, you know, a little bit more elements of power metal and some prog metal and, you know, and, and it's kind of that folksy, like acoustic-y stuff that, you know, every, everything that this band picks up, they keep. You know, I always talk about how bands are like, you know, they have a grab bag of different elements. Blind Guardian started with an empty bag and they just drop stuff in as they go, <laughs> you know, and so I think... I think that's what we're seeing here is they're like, okay, what it, at the very least, what did Hansi like about A Night at the Opera? It was the vocal production, right? So he's going to obviously hold on to that. It's like it's like when Korn started doing that. The, we talk about the John Davis choir. It became the new signature sound of the band. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what happened here. So if, Je- if that's the thing that Jeff hates, there's nothing that they're going to be able to do from this point on to please him. I wonder if they'd get away with it if they would just go back to the classic power metal sound. Or is that a creative decision where once you've done it in the studio, 
you can't step back. I've already taken it to here. I can't step down or else I'm giving something up. I don't know. I'd, I would, uh, I'd be op- open them back with open arms, giving them a big ass hug. Cause I would be super stoked if they went back to that sound personally, but you know, I'm just one dude with a microphone in front of my face. I, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, but you could become like 500 dudes. <laughs> I've got an effect for that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I guess if I want to be a Hanzi choir, I guess I could be. We could make the Jeff choir. <laughs> oh, God, no, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. All they're doing is singing Sunny Day Real Estate over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> oh, are we ready to travel to the edge of time? 2010. I'm a little disappointed that this record wasn't about the Back to the Future trilogy, but uh, I'm gonna just let that go and 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 you know let it go past. But, really, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's at the edge of time. Like eventually, Doc and Marty show up at the edge of time. Like I had the whole story like mapped out in my head. Doc's in the fucking steam train. Marty's still in the DeLorean. They're trying to figure out which versions of which reality Doc and Marty came from. Dude, this is my fanfic. It's incredible. <laughs> and I wish that's what this album was about. Uh, but it is not. Therefore, I hate it. That's not true either. I, I do not hate this one. You're still wrong about the DeLorean in Back to the Future Part 3. I'm not wrong about it. I'm not going to bring that shit up on the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> so this is... They uh, definitely pull from a lot of cool subjects. Again, that's one of my favorite parts of this album. Because yeah, I'm not a huge, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of uh, of some of the vocals, but they're pulling from, you know, Robert Jordan, George R.R. R. Martin, Michael Moorcock. I mean, we just keep going down the list. I mean, these guys, John Milton, I mean, we really... You know, pulling for some some big names uh, as far as what your influence of your songs are. And Peter S. Beagle sitting over here in the corner, like, "Am I a joke to you?" Um, you know, I think. Who I, is that? Oh, I'm Jesus! Just, <laughs> wow, dude. He's the guy that he's the guy whose books you skip over when you're trying to find Terry Brooks novels. No, I I'm kidding. Because seriously, like the Last Unicorn is one of my all time favorites. So dude, I, I'm fine. just I'm just teasing. Does it? You know, I don't even think. Do they have? Any uh, Last Unicorn references in any of their songs? I don't think I uh, caught any. Not, any not that I've seen. No, okay. I don't think they do. Uh, I like this one more than A Twist in the Myth uh, because to me that was just like a comeback album. Like let's 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 scale it back a little bit and go into kind of more of a Blind Guardian sound again. Um, but I I actually think that this record was kind of a little bit more of a development and it's like more power metal I think than than kind of the weird prog stuff. Like I I feel like. They were in a phase, and I think slowly but surely they're starting to come out of it. I'm wrong about that, by the way, but we're not there yet. Right. I, I actually you don't know <laughs> the end of the story at this point. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this comment is from the future. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, we've hit a, 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 a mild peak before we hit some more valleys. I don't mind this album as much as I, I did the last two. I, I mean, yes, they're... Eat, there's still the choir of Hanzis, but there's one, generally there's one ha- Hanzi that's a little louder than the rest on this one, which I don't mind uh, as, as much. It's definitely got a lot more power metal vibe. It's definitely uh, got some uh, guitars, you know, take a front seat quite a bit more on this album, which I don't, I, I enjoy. So... I think this is the best out of the newer Blind Guardian. Okay, yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. yeah I, I, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit, it's got a little bit of the old shit that you like. It's got a little bit of the shit that you don't like, too. 
but it's not so bad. And honestly, I do think that they started getting heavier. Like that, they started kind of like modernizing their sound. Um, and it's kind of like it's kind of like when you listen to Judas Priest's Firepower, how they've incorporated modern, more modern heavy metal elements without actually changing their sound. It's just that they have better production now. They've got. You know, and they're, they're drawing from metal from the past, you know, 30 years. And Blind Guardian's kind of doing the same thing here. They're not they're not stuck in the 80s here. Uh, they are they are each kind of starting to realize that people want a certain level of heaviness in their heavy metal. So uh, so you're getting that. And, and I and I, I really enjoy it. And I again, I don't think this album's an all, all time classic, but it's absolutely a step a better a step in a better direction for them. It's difficult for me to listen to this record knowing that it's the ninth record I've listened to this week by this band and not just feel like it all runs together. I like Blind Guardian, and this is going to lead into my final thought later on, but I can't just sit and listen to Blind Guardian. Eventually, the motifs and the way that the music runs together with itself, it all eventually runs together so it's difficult for me to tell you why this record is better or worse than another record. It sounds more modern, and that's really what it has going for it. On that, the band isn't compromising their core value, but we're still kind of stuck at the opera too. So it's another album by Blind Guardian. So I will say, of course, Tantalorna Into the Void, love that song. I really want to make sure that I make it clear. I would love, fucking love, to be in Andre and Hansi's book club. Because <laughs> we read all the same books. This is, I mean, the, the subject matter is gets me just as excited sometimes when it, whenever I see Blind Guardian pop up on like Pandora or Sirius or something like that. Because I know whatever they're singing about. Number one, I can understand what he's saying. And. I'm, which sometimes is an issue for me because I have a hard time distinguishing words whenever I hear music as well. That's just something that I, with, I have issues with vocal processing. Might be part of the reason why I don't pay attention to, to lyrics as much as, say, Dan would. I love the lyrical content uh, nine times out of ten when it comes to Blind Guardian. I, I, I can't go wrong uh, with, the, with the stories that they tell. All I got to say is I'm glad that they finally got to Tantalorn. Uh, because you know they had a lot of trouble getting there uh, the first time. So, 2015, Beyond the Red Mirror. Well, 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 we're back in concept album land. Except they came up with the concept this time. Oh, this isn't based off of a Tolkien type book. No, because that would be generic for them anyway. That would be par for the course for them. They went back and pulled from everything they've done up to this point but again i can't listen to this the 10th record by the band and tell you that it doesn't just sound like the next record by blind guardian at this point in the week it all kind of ran together for me and i was just trying to get through it i don't think you should ever sit and listen to this band in rapid succession and constantly try to find the best thing about it you have to be just consuming the kool-aid that is progressive metal or power metal epic sounding theatrical you just have to want that to be the best thing you've ever heard 
to sit here and tell me that this is the best record by the band or it it's so unique compared to the other records because again it's the 10th album it's not bad but what is it it's a record by blind guardian i'd say next please but it, the next one's gonna sound like this too <laughs> no unfortunately it's not no the next one is uh utter trash if the next one sounded like this i would tongue kiss it like, <laughs> straight up okay like i think that this record is good you know to to pull joe's question out if this was the first thing i ever heard by the band i'd be like wow this is like a really cool band you know like I'm into it. It's got all these epic symphonic elements thrown in there, um, but they, they also know how to play a solo whenever they need to. And, uh, you know, the, the concept moves along at a pretty good pace. It's still 65 fucking minutes. But, like, I think for this kind of music, it's kind of, like, okay. Uh, but I just, I just didn't feel like the story on this one was as strong, obviously, because... And that's, like, really unfair, because, like, the other story was told by Tolkien, like, a, a master songwriter... Uh, whereas, I'm sorry, a master story writer. Wordsmith. Yeah, whereas, like, uh, this is, you know, some dudes in a metal band uh, that definitely have really good inspiration to, to pull from. So I would say, as far as concepts go, it's a lot better than Something Wicked This Way Comes. But uh, I, also, <laughs> I do think that, like, uh, I, I do think that this is fine, but I'm kind of, like, with Joe... Where it's like, well, they, they didn't fuck up. They still sound like Blind Guardian. But I do feel like this one just tries too hard to be a little bit more glitzy, a little bit more epic. And I just don't feel like that much of a connection to the story. Um, and that could just be because I'm not really familiar with that story like I was with Tolkien. And so, I don't know. Like that, I, I don't think that it sucks, but at the same time... Um, Again, there's there's a lot there's a lot of Hansi choir on this one. Yeah, I was gonna say this one sucks for me. <laughs> this this one's this one's probably like a lot better than like a Not at the Opera, but at the same time, like this is just not a good look for them. But for some reason, Hansi loves it, and he's he's really really doubling down on it. And yeah, that's because there's more Hanzi, so he, of course Hanzi loves it. Well, are you trying to say that vocalists are conceited in some way? Because <laughs> you're know, right. Joe, are they? <laughs> in my experience. <laughs> well, by the way, we're ch we're changing uh, we're, we're changing the name of the podcast to Dan Terry's Discography Discussion. <laughs> he thinks every it's still his show. Everybody, everybody, every episode's going to be about Zayo. I'm down. Kind of like now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this is fine. I got to admit, man, I was definitely getting a little blind guardian to out uh, by the time I got to this record. So maybe I'm not being fair with it, but um, I definitely don't think that it was as good as the last album was. And uh, I was definitely excited to kind of be done with it. Yeah, I, and I think that kind of gives us a unique perspective. Uh, and I, I think us, it allows us to be a pretty harsh barometer as compared to uh, a casual listener, just for the fact that we do have to cram so much material in such a short amount of time. And this is an example where that's not how you're supposed to listen to the music. Well, we're doing it to ourselves this time. Right, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you're going to give us uh, this plethora of material, it's going to be more difficult and a greater challenge to keep us... 
engaged as listeners. If somehow, some way, a band that has a lot of quote-unquote sameness throughout their discography, but that can still keep us, you know, entertained, you know, that's when you know you, you have a really good band on, on your hands. It was shocking, like, when we did the Cannibal Corpse episode. There's a lot of sameness going on there, but it's so good that it kept us entertained throughout the entire discography. And that's and that's not an easy thing to do. And I just don't... Th- I, I think that uh, Blind Guardian started off strong. I think they were sprinting just a little too much because when they got to the finish line, they really started to peter out and they just couldn't finish strong. Well, and I, but I don't think the band sees it that way. Like, this is the first record, like, what's notable about this one, really, uh, is that they worked with actual orchestras, right? So, like, that, that's kind of a big deal, whereas everything else before was just, like, studio tricks and, you know, like, making it sound bigger than it was. But they had an actual choir. Uh, they had an actual, they had actual orchestration, you know. Uh, but I think the problem is, though, is that they've, they've tried these concepts before. And, like, this is for real, but it's, like, Okay, when Metallica plays with a symphony, like that's a huge change to their sound and it creates something unique. When Blind Guardian plays with a symphony, it still just sounds like Blind Guardian. <laughs> right. I, I guess, you know, I listen to a lot of Symphony X uh, as well. It's a good fucking band. It is a good band. But, you know, it, that's, a, it, you know, with what I said, it. it the curiosity is, is the next time, you know, if and when we, well, we will eventually get to Symphony X, but will that be a band that kind of falls into the same uh, challenge that Blind Guardian and Ice Earth have? You know, obviously we all agree that Blind Guardian does not run nearly as stale as Ice Earth does, but there is still a challenge with the repetitiveness and there's just something that we... It just grows stale for us. It was just there's just something there that we're uh, in that short time frame that we're cramming all of it in. That it's not grabbing our attention, and, and we're getting you know blind guardian out, so to speak. You know, will we get Symphony Xed out? That, that's that's just more of a curiosity for me because you know that's another band that I hold in high esteem that has some similar sounds when it comes to like the progressive symphonic uh, and power metal with just unbelievable vocals. So I'm just kind of curious to see I mean, whenever we get to that if we still still feel the same way and if there's any um, any bands out there that our listeners can recommend that they think could uh, uh, essentially beat you know handle that marathon of, of the listening that we have to go through. Just just a curious thing. There is another album. This is normally where we would end the discography discussion because uh, you know. We are at the end of actual Blind Guardian records. Beyond the Red Mirror is the last like power metal Blind Guardian record. This next record that we're going to talk about, we're not going to even like really officially talk about it, but this is uh, this is Legacy of the Darklands by Blind Guardian Twilight Orchestra, and I couldn't be any more clear when I say Blind Guardian in name only uh, because there are no guitars on this record. <laughs> Uh, there is, there's, there's, it, this is, this is Hanzi singing with an orchestra. This is dude's like wet dream. This is, this is what it's all been building to folks. Uh, and I'm not into it, man. It's, it's very overindulgent. It's very up its own ass and it's just not why I listen to metal. 
And uh, I just... It's I, not metal. I mean, you could tell something's up whenever they're too embarrassed to put their actual name on it. You know, so like... Oh, maybe embarrassed isn't the right word. I'm sure that's not what they're thinking, but like... Uh, this is this is just not the kind of record that I'm I'm gonna listen to uh, by this band. I listen to metal for guitars, bass, and drums, and so yeah, I I just I didn't enjoy this one at all. Um, and I the sad thing is is I listened to the entire thing before I realized that it was like more of a more of a studio like more of a side project uh, for Hanzi than it was a, a legitimate Blind Guardian record. So um, at least you don't have to hear me shit on them for that and being like, oh my god, what the fuck happened to this band? Like. I kind of get it, but I, yeah, this is not, as far as I'm concerned, this is not part of their discography. What did I say about Legacy of the Dark Lands earlier this week? That it was fucking horrible? Yes. <laughs> that was my direct quote is, Legacy of the Dark Lands is fucking horrible. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my, I mean, I, I, I can't get any more precise and concise on what it is that I feel about this album i mean it's horrible anyway thank god we don't have to go into any more details than that final thoughts on blind guardian jeff i love 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 blind guardian the power metal band i tolerate and sometimes despise blind guardian the prog metal band and it's really because I just can't stand the layered vocals. But other than that, this is such a solid band. I would like to see them live one day. I mean, I know they've been going on for a long time, but and I know they probably just do festivals here in North America nowadays. But I, I would, you know, it's one of the. It could be one of those bands that I see them live and I completely change my mind and say, you know what, this this whole theatrical massive production is amazing live and it just does it for me and I'll, I'll change my mind but right now just uh, yeah damn what about you i think blind guardians rock solid most of the time i think every band that you listen to is going you're gonna have minor gripes here here and there but i i definitely like my my positive thoughts outweigh my negative thoughts on this band and they to me they, they are the example of what good power metal is I mean, I'm kind of with Jeff a little bit. I, like, I kind of agree with him that I don't know if they're super strong as a prog metal band, but I'm okay with it as long as there's still those power metal elements in it. So I like most of Blind Guardian, and uh, yeah, I, I would go see him live in a heartbeat, and if they started reissuing their records on vinyl, you better believe that I'm going to have to take out a second job. I really like Blind Guardian. I think they can be the template for epic metal and even though they have some missteps along the way they're more like stumbles than actual deviations from the formula if that's a thing i think that they're so good that they overwhelm me personally when i have to listen to all of their albums in rapid succession i'm not going to sit and only listen to blind guardian or power metal or anything like that i'm not going to sit and only listen to blind guardian but i will enjoy it when it comes on and they are a band i will listen to if what i'm looking for is solid heavy metal with a theatrical epic tone so if you're a fan of fantasy and melodic driven heavy metal 
power metal. If you're a fan of Iron Maiden, there's no reason why you're not listening to Blind Guardian. They should definitely be in your rotation because they're going to be in mine. Dan, what's your album of the week? Uh, well, I've had to be really productive at work since I came back from being sick. So my album of the week is Gold Cobra by Limp Biscuit. Wow, dude. Seriously? Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Jeff, what about you? Uh, slave Design by Cybreed. And I needed to be productive, so that was my go-to. I've been listening to The Complete Fiction of H.P. Lovecraft, audiobook presented by the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. Nice. Awesome. You want epic? You want to listen to songs about hobbits and every other forms of fantasy? You reach for the Lovecraft. Some of it's good. Most of it's kind of meh. The Nameless, man. That's the shit right there. Hell yes. Take us out, DFT. First of all, I just want to thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. And uh, we really like to hear from you guys and hear what your band suggestions are. Most of the episodes we do now are due to your guys' suggestions. So keep those coming. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook under facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Uh, you can always, always join our Discord server. It's going 24 hours a day. There's a link in the show notes. It'll take you right to Discord. Uh, you know, there's there's so many different bands out there and so many little nuances, and I just love to hear that back and forth with you guys, so definitely keep that up. Keep sharing the episodes. If you want to represent Discography Discussion in real life, we have a Teespring store set up that we'll have a link to in our show notes. If you wanted to buy a Discography Discussion shirt or a hoodie, everything there is priced super affordable, so check it out. Help us out in any way you can, and of course, you can always join us on our Patreon page which will give you access to shows in advance. Uh, you, do we have individual album reviews? Any any show ideas that we have that are maybe a little off kilter? You're going to get those first on Patreon. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again for listening to us. We, we appreciate you. We really do. And on that note, this has been episode 182 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. 